Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
verses 1 to 6. We keep reading these same verses and a wonderful passage each, each uh, Sunday now as we're in this, I told you, mini-series for the gospel. Gospel And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. You ready? Say amen. amen. All right, you're ready. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory which I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. Of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some have fallen asleep. As we... Um, look at the cross today and examine the cross, I have a couple questions to ask us to think about, to answer to ourselves from the Word of God about the cross. And the questions are this. When? Where? How? Why? What? Okay? Five, five questions as we examine the cross. And here... the. The thing is, is, as we ask these questions about the gospel, about the cross, about the good news, we know where we can find the answers. You know, it's one thing about asking questions, but, you know, half of the problem is, where do you find the answers? And the Bible is pretty clear that we can find the answers in his word. He says here, uh, Christ died for our sins. That is significant. <laughs> but what also is significant is what he says after that, according to the scriptures. What's so amazing and um, just a miracle, really, <laughs> really, is not just that the scripture told us what happened after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which it does. The Bible does tell us what happened. You know, the church. We are the result of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It does tell us what happened after His resurrection. But what's interesting is the Bible tells us what was going to happen before it happened. The gospel happened according to the Old Testament prophets, according to the scripture. Therefore, when Christ died on the cross and was buried and rose again, it is we can authenticate it because it had been written already what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. It builds our faith. It builds our faith. And so the first question, when, when? You know, Christianity, our faith in Christ, is not just something that's, uh, you know, mystical. In the sense of somewhere, somehow, you know, in a 
uh, you know, what's, how do you start a fairy tale, you know? Yeah, once upon a time. It's not that. It's not, it's not, it's not that. It, it, there is a time and a place in history where this happened. Christ died for our sins 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago. And here's the thing. You say, well, that is an old story. And it is 2,000 years old. That's a long time ago. But here's the thing. It has not lost any power. It has not lost any power. We sang that song, Jesus Saves. And he had, his power to save is the same today, right here, right now, as it was 2,000 years ago when it happened. His power is still, and this story never grows old. I sing that song. Oh no, the old story will never grow old. How Jesus died to save my soul. Oh no, the old story will never grow old. That story will never grow old. It won't grow old. Why? Because it's got the same power to save. The same power today that it had then, 2,000 years ago. When it did happen, when Christ did die on the cross. Here's the amazing thing about this. Not just that it did happen, that he died on the cross. But it happened the very moment that he said it would. That's amazing. That's amazing. You can look at all the pictures and types throughout the Old Testament. And you begin to see, just as Moses was a picture and type and deliver as he delivered the people out of the bondage of, 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 of evil in Egypt where they were under Pharaoh and under the gods of this world. And you see the mighty miracles that God did through Moses to deliver the people. But then the most amazing thing happened when they finally had their deliverance. And that was the, the start of the institution of the Passover. When the lamb was to be slain and the blood was to be put on the lentils and doorposts. And the death angel would pass over. And the Passover was started. The Passover was supposed to be kept every year. And it was showing, it was pointing some 1500 Roughly years before Christ, showing that Christ would be the Passover lamb, the eternal sacrifice for sin. And when you look at the situation around the cross, there's all kinds of evil actors. By the way, there's never a shortage of evil actors. There was, there's never been a problem. There was Judas and there was Pilate and there was the, the Pharisees. There was the high priest. There was all of them. And they crucified Christ. And you know what I believe at that moment when they crucified Christ? That they were having him crucified when they wanted him to. But the truth was that they were crucifying him when he wanted them to. That's the truth. And as you read through the gospel, you find out that as they were hurrying to get him off the cross and make sure that they were all dead to be able to get him off the cross. The Bible says in John 19, 14 and 15, uh, the beginning part of 15, it says, and it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out away with him, away with him, crucifying. So they're preparing 
for the Passover. They're preparing for the Passover back at their houses. Right. And so verse uh, chapter 19, verse 31 and the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day for the Sabbath day was an high day. Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might take them away. You know what they're saying? Hey, we got to hurry this up. We got to make sure that they get off the cross. Why? The Passover is about to happen. We got to get the Passover. We got to go back to our houses and kill our own personal lambs and put the blood but Jesus Christ was, he died the, what I'm trying to say is he died the very hour in, in history that he needed to die. Yes. As the Passover lamb. When did he die? The very moment in history that he had chosen before the foundations of the world. He died when he said he would die. When the Bible said he would die. It says it again in John 19 verse 41, 42. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. And there laid they Jesus. Therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So they're hurrying. They're hurrying to get Jesus Christ into the tomb. Get him down off the cross. And you know what? When they go back to have their Passover, the fact that he had just, his blood had just been shed. Made their Passover non void. <laughs> Those lambs now were dying for no reason, for no purpose. Before there was a purpose for it. Before Christ died, there was a purpose for those lambs' blood to be shed. But after Christ, the eternal Lamb of God had paid for the sins of the world. And he died when and where he was supposed to. Where he was supposed to. The very moment. In the very place of his choosing. The very place of his choosing. He died where? You read the days and the story around this death of Christ and, and his triumphal entry as he comes to Jerusalem and the Last Supper in the upper room, the Garden of Gethsemane. All of this is leading to the place. To the place where he knew that he had to become the sacrifice. I, 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 I underline that a lot in my Bible. The place. The place. The place was called Calvary. The Bible says in Luke 23 and verse 33. And when they were come to the place. Which is called Calvary. There they crucified him. And the malefactors. One on the right hand. And the other on the left. That reminds me of another song we sing. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Where? At Calvary. It was, was called Golgotha. The Bible says in John 19 verse 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place. A place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. You think of that hill of Golgotha, the place of the skull. And you think of another song on a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross with the dearest and best for the world of lost sinners was slain. That was the place. That was the place. You say, how long did he know that that was where 
he was going to die throughout eternity. When that Passover was established back in, in Deuteronomy, he tells them, he says in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 2, Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. You know what he said? You're to have that Passover then and keep that Passover in the place where God chooses to put his name. We find out later, and I read this just Sunday night. There's many of these verses, but in 1 Kings 14, verse 22, in the middle of that, he says, In Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of the tribes of Israel to put his name there. He said, I want you to have that Passover in this. You know, Jesus Christ couldn't just die anywhere. You know what he had, where he had to die? He had to die in the place that he had chosen. The place that he had chosen. When he had chosen, the place he had chosen. Jerusalem. The very place. So then how? How? As the scripture said, that's how. He died as a sacrifice. The eternal sacrifice for sin. He died... As a lamb, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He died willingly. He died willingly. In Luke 22, verse 42, the Bible says, Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He was willingly uh, uh, ready to submit to the Father. Willingly, And here's the other part of it. He laid down his life. They didn't take it from him. He gave it. He gave his life a ransom. The Bible says in John 10 verse 18. No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So Jesus Christ laid down his life. He gave his life and he did it willingly. How was he crucified? It was brutal. It was brutal. Just as the prophets had said it would be. Just as the scripture had said it would be. He was despised. He was rejected. He was alone. He was mocked. As we read, the soldiers, they spit in his face. They beat him. They scourged him until his back looked like a plowed field. His bones stared at us. He was bruised. The soldiers took as they mocked him and they smote him. They punched him. I mean, he was beaten. For us, his image completely changed from that of a man. It was brutal. He was pierced. He was wounded for our transgressions. And that's what the prophets said would happen. Isaiah says in, in Isaiah 53 5, and he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes. We are healed. How did he die? 
suffering as a sacrifice and great humiliation. Great humiliation. Never, and I've mentioned this many times, never has there been a greater humbling, a greater humiliation than God becoming man and then becoming man, becoming a servant and then becoming a servant, being obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross is the greatest, greatest uh, humbling and humiliation that there's ever been. He did that for us. But all this was foretold. All of this was in the scripture. All of this, the Bible had said, would happen. And as these things happened, it was according to the scripture. John says in John 19, 33, But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record. And his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith is true. That ye might believe. You know what he's saying? John's saying, I saw this. I saw this. I saw them say, break their legs. And I saw that they stopped from doing it and pierced his side instead. John said, and you know what hit me? That's exactly what the Bible said would happen. He says, for these things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have Pierced. You know what he's saying? I bear record that to, to the T, everything that had been prophesied about him on the cross happened. Amen. The very time, the very place, and the very way that the Bible had said that he would be, become a sacrifice for us is exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Which leads to the next question. Why? Why? When you think of that, why? Why would God come to earth? Why would God become man? Why would God do all these things? Why would he put himself through that? Why would he become the sacrifice? Why would he allow his creation to humiliate him like that? Why would he allow those that he created to do this to him? Why? And that answer, that question is found clearly in the passage that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Christ died for our sins. Why did Christ die? Why did Christ become a sacrifice? Why? For our sins. And here's where it's got to become personal. He died for the sins of the world. But he died for your sin and my sin. Not just the the little, you know, I've I've got problems, I've got this or that. No, he died for the sins that you've committed and that I've committed that I don't want anyone to know about. The dark sins. He died for my sins and your sins. He died for us. That's why he did. He did not come for the righteous. 
but for sinners. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for us. That where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. He came to die for the helpless, for the hopeless, for those who could not save themselves, which is everyone. We know all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he came. He came to seek and to save. Why? That we might have eternal life. He said he came that we might have life. That we might have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ came and became a sacrifice for sin. That we might live. That he can give resurrection to our lives. To our eternal life. John 3 and verse 17 says this. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him might be saved. Why did Christ come? He came to die for our sins so that we might be saved. Which leads to the last question. Now what? Now what? If we believe that, we know that, now what? Well, the last two Sundays, we've preached about the gospel, right? That it's to be preached. That it's to be received. Believed, received, right? But here's the thing. Right there in this place, at this time, on the cross, there is an example of a choice. There on the cross, on each side, one that trusted Christ and one that would not. Right there on the cross. Take your Bibles and turn with me now to Luke 23. We're going to read a few, few verses here. Luke 23. Luke 23 and verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today 
Thou shalt be with me in paradise. This is amazing. And, and not just this, but since we're on the, according to the scriptures, this was prophesied about. Isaiah prophesied about this in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12, that he would be crucified among the transgressors. And Mark in his gospel confirms that this prophecy came to pass on the cross saying this, Mark 15, 27 and 28. And with him, they crucified two thieves, the one on the right hand and the, one, the other on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, he was numbered with the transgressors. So as he stood, as he hung there on the cross with the two thieves, with the transgressors, a 750-year-old prophecy came to pass as he, as he stood there. Here's what's interesting. As you read the stories, read the story of this from Luke and then read uh, from the Gospels of Mark and Matthew about the two thieves. Mark and Matthew tell us that the thieves both reviled him and mocked him. But Luke tells us something changed in one of their hearts. Something changed in one of their hearts. And, I, and I'm trying to picture this. You know, they both are being hanged. And Mark and Matthew says they railed on him and they both mocked him. But then as they hung there, the one looks over and sees something about Jesus that's different. And he becomes a believer. His heart changes as he looks on Christ. And he sees him in this situation. As he looks on Jesus in the cross, he recognizes, hey, this man's not guilty. This man's done nothing wrong. We have, which is part of salvation, is recognizing that you're lost. Recognizing that you're in need of a Savior. You know what he said? We're, we're guilty. We deserve what we're getting. We deserve what's going on. But this man, he's innocent. He's in, you know, it was interesting as we read this, the one that didn't believe, said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. You know, he wanted, he wanted Jesus to get him out of his problem. He wanted him to save him from his situation. He wanted him to get, and, you know, that makes sense. But he didn't believe on Jesus like the other one did. You know what the other one said? He said he called him Lord. He said, today, when you come into your kingdom, you know what he believed? He believed in the resurrection. He believed that this, this man, yeah, though we're going to die, this isn't the end. Today, this man was going to resurrect. And he wasn't just asking to get, uh, you know, get out of trouble. He wasn't asking, hey, can you remove me from this terrible situation? But he said, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And the Lord said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. What grace, what mercy. You hear of these stories of folks trusting Christ on their deathbed, believing in Christ on their deathbed. What grace and what mercy. You know, he never darkened the door of a church. He was never baptized. He never did any serving the Lord or any of these sort of things. 
But he said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. What great grace right there on the cross to show this thief. But I think it shows us something else, that all of humanity is split. Those who believe on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and those who do not. Paul, the apostle, puts it real simple in, the, in, in Ephesians, the first part of Ephesians chapter 2. And, he, and Paul makes it as, as if there's just two kinds of people. Not good and bad, but those that are in Christ and those that are in sin. Now we know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the question is, are you still in your sin? Or have you received Christ's payment for your sin? Are you in Christ? That's the difference. One thief did not believe. The other one did. They were both thieves. They were both sinners. And they both were going to die. But what made the difference was believing that Jesus Christ was Lord. And the resurrection The hope of the gospel. This is what makes all the difference. The thief on the cross died in Christ. You know what happened? Today, he said, you'll be with me in paradise. I get to thinking about both of these guys were in a terrible situation. (laughs) I mean, you're dying on a Roman cross. It's a terrible situation. Both of them were in a terrible situation. In one, one God incredibly, increasingly, immensely, I, don't, I can't think of another word, better immediately after he died. And the other, believe it or not, I believe it. Amen. Got immediately, increasingly, immensely worse yes, sir. the moment that he died. That's how serious it is. That's how serious it is. Do you believe that? That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Word of God teaches. That's what Jesus taught. That's why the cross is so important. It golfs. It golfs. That great golf that you and I could not pass. It it, it brings us into a relationship with God that there is no way we could get there on our own. There's no way that we could get there without Christ, without the Lord. When you think of the words on the cross, crosswords, if you will, (laughs) it is finished. He paid the price. Thou shalt be with me. Uh, Thou shalt be with me today in paradise. You know, this cross stands for Jesus saves. Jesus saves. It's the way to God. That that separation that we have experienced between us and God, Christ has made it possible for us. And, you know, one day I will die. I don't want to die today, you know, but one day I will die. You know what I want to hear? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. You know, I think everybody wants to go to paradise, but nobody wants to go today, right? We were, when I was a young, my dad, a pastor, was doing a baptism, and my cousin 
was getting, was getting baptized. And his little brothers were all there. And, uh, and as he's about to go get baptized, uh, his, my cousin Dan, his younger brother, Noah, started really crying. Everybody said, what's the matter? Why are you crying? And he says, how much longer till Dan goes to heaven? He thought the moment that he got baptized, he was going straight to heaven. That he was saying bye forever, you know. And all of us, we want to go to paradise. We just don't want to go today. But here's the question. It's appointed on the man once to die. After this, the judgment, although you don't want to think about it. What, I mean, when everything is boiled down, you start to ask enough questions. That's what this message is. We're asking questions. If you ask enough questions and boil down to the you know, brass tacks, to the bare bones, what does it boil down to? How can I know that I have eternal life? Where am I going to go when I die? How can I know that the sins that I've committed are forgiven? How can I know that I have a right relationship with God? I mean, really, when it boils down, these are the questions. And the answer to this is the cross. This is how you can know. Not doing enough good works. Not being a good enough person. Not being religious. We know all these things. It comes through Christ. That's what separates us. That's what separates humanity. Is have you believed in Jesus Christ? Would you believe? Would you receive Christ as your Savior? Would you, would you put your faith in Him? Would you look at the cross today and say, I've got to make a choice. Like one of those two thieves. And I want to make a choice to call Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. To put my faith and trust in Him. To believe on Jesus Christ. For those that want to do this, I encourage you now to pray a prayer like this from your heart, with your mouth, totally putting your faith and trust in this sacrifice that God made for us. Saying, God, I believe that Christ died for me. That he was buried and rose again so that I can have eternal life. I'm asking God that you forgive me of my sins. And that you would save me. I'm making Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I'm asking by faith for this eternal life. The Word of God says when we do this, when we call upon the Lord with our heart and our mouth, believing the gospel, thou shalt be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for what you have done for us. God, we're thankful for the gospel. We're thankful that you came to us, that you died for us, that you rose again, and that you reveal yourself to us through your word, through your spirit. And God, through the fellowship of this church, we're thankful to be able to sing praises to you. We're thankful to be able to come together in your name and fellowship and glorify you. God, you are worthy of all our praise and glory. And God, we are thankful that you are our king and our Savior, and our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website. Or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio, 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.